0: You are now listening to the Life on Repeat podcast with Laura Valancourt, licensed mental health counselor, geriatric mental health specialist, and elder care coach. I'm so happy that you found us. So hello, everyone. I sure appreciate you joining us today. I'm really excited about this topic. I know they say that every time. (laughs) Today, it is my pleasure, really my real pleasure to introduce Lisa Mayfield. Lisa Mayfield is actually a mentor of mine, and we'll talk a little about how we met. But she owns a care management company called Aging Wisdom in Seattle, Washington. She founded that organization many years ago, 2003. She's trained and licensed as a mental health counselor, a geriatric mental health specialist, and she's a certified aging life care professional. And we'll be talking a lot about what that is and what that looks like. So Lisa brings over two decades of experience supporting and finding hope for individuals and families impacted by Alzheimer's disease and related dementias. She's a trained mediator, She helps families find common ground when they might not agree on the best approach to supporting their aging parents. And she has a passion for helping baby boomers navigate unexpected health changes and proactively plan for their future. So she is a member of the Aging Life Care Association. And again, we'll talk more about what that is too. She's also a past president of that organization. So she's met very stringent education, Experience and certification requirements and adheres to a strict code of ethics and standards of practice. She is an award winning care manager and holds the distinction of being one of two fellow certified care managers in Washington State, which is fantastic. So, Lisa, I am so thrilled to have you on this podcast, and I'm really excited about our conversation that we're going to have because I truly believe that. A lot of our listeners are going to benefit in so many ways on how to talk about aging life care professionals and care managers, what they are, what they do, how they can benefit folks that have dementia. But first, I would love to just ask kind of a a more personal question that helps folks get to know you a little better. Can you tell us, how did you get into this work? And I guess more specifically, how has dementia impacted you in your life?
1: Well, Laura, I'm so excited to have this conversation with you today and to be with you and to be a part of your podcast that you've launched. And I will divert your question for a minute to brag on you to all of your listeners that Laura hinted, but. I met Laura back in, we're guessing around 2006, and she was in grad school, and I was fortunate to be one of the instructors, and it was a course related to aging, and she was one of the students and was such a star back then. Her She had a clear vision that she wanted to work with older adults, which is actually unusual. Many people stumble into it or... Um, land there without great intention. But Laura was very intentional about that was her work and her passion. And it showed even back then. So me being able to watch her over her career and grow and her passion just ignites and you hear it in her voice, you hear it on her podcast. And I also love her creativity. She's always trying something new and not afraid to do big, bold things with great courage. So I find myself with tears in my eyes with pride for Laura. So that's my dist- my sidetrack <laughs> to your question. So For me, in my work with older adults, like many people, I came to it through a family connection. My mom's mom, my grandmother, had dementia, and so watching it impact her. And back when she was struggling with dementia, it, it wasn't talked about in the ways that we talk about it today. There were even fewer supports for families I remember how frustrated my mom would get at my grandma, and there just weren't outlets or resources or um, places for her to connect with other family members going through it and for us to be able to support my grandmother. And then my dad's dad, my grandpa, also had Alzheimer's. It clearly ran in his family, and his siblings were impacted. So watching his decline over time and watching it impact my dad and his wife, my grandmother. And then I also, I was a Girl Scout when I was growing up. And for my Gold Award, we had to do various projects. And the project I selected had to do with aging. And the task for my project that I created for myself was to spend time at a local assisted living community. And I was paired with two Residents. It was Andy um, and um, Susan, and I can to this day, particularly Andy, like picture his face and his smile. And I would go visit after high school, and I would just hang out with them and be with them. And they really taught me the art of just being with people, and that's really all they needed was for someone to be with them and. They reinforced with me that when you're with older adults, you don't need to treat them any differently and that they can laugh and have fun. And for whatever reason, many people don't treat older adults the same way and they don't bring in humor. They uh, get nervous around them. And I think they were the teachers that they're no different and they also enjoy humor and having fun. And So we had a lot of fun together. And so all of that kind of helped um, the seeds for me of doing this work later in life.
0: Thank you for sharing that, Lisa. Thank you for your kind words too about our our journey together. I, I really have always thought of you as a mentor and um, we've dipped in and out of um, being in touch over the years and I've just always appreciated your um, you really, your ethics, I think is in values is what speaks so much to me. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just so important in this work when, when you're working with people and, and people that are often in crisis or people that are grieving. And, um, it's just, I, I think it's just crucial to have, to have professionals in the community that you can reach to that have a very high ethical standard and. Um, yeah. So you also said something else uh, that I just appreciate so much hearing, and that is that you learned how to just be around older adults or, or those um, individuals that have memory impairment. And I think that you're onto something really important there, because when we talk about dementia, it, it, it's a very serious kind of um, conversation. It can become very medicalized. (laughs) And um, I think about that when I think about cancer and and, um, how talking about cancer used to be and how there was, there was a real cultural shift in the last few years around embracing it and being familiar and comfortable in talking about it and, and um, having groups and organizations and, and um, even conferences that encourage people to remember who they are without the disease. And I I really believe that there's a movement that is happening or um, we're helping to have happen (laughs) with dementia in that that the importance of um, acknowledging someone's personhood and individuality and um, their autonomy where we can. And so anyway, yes. I, I appreciate that a lot, Lisa.
1: And when you were talking about mentors, so one of my mentors, her name was Judy Roberts, and she actually developed younger onset dementia. But in early on in my career, she got me a book called Back to One. And it was this concept of, and it was based on a therapeutic uh, relationship, but I think it's so true in many aspects of life that you can't, accomplish anything without going back to one. And this back to one was the relationship, the connection to being with people. So I think the same is true of family caregivers, the listeners of your podcast is I see our role as really being able to be with them, to support them in their process, to let them be and let them be with all the feelings that they're feeling, whether it can be anger sometimes, frustration, sadness, everything that they're feeling and allow them to feel that and acknowledge that and and be with them. I think you can find resources online or lists, but I think what people are often missing is someone that just gets it, gets how tough it is for them and how emotional it is.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, the importance of, uh, because... It can feel so isolating. Um, especially if you didn't have the experience uh, of a grandparent or or someone else in your life go through something similar. There's really no there are no models out there. There are no mentors out there. And so, yeah, acknowledging that it's very normal to experience the whole range of of emotion that comes with the being a caregiver but then also recognizing that there are others out there also going through the same thing that's that's huge tell us a little bit about what is an aging life care professional and what is a care manager and give us a little description about what that role looks like and what that is
1: and so if i talk about the work i do i like to out that there's people like me all over the country doing this work. We're a profession, the Aging Life Care Association, and we're a group of people that not enough people know about, but I describe it as consultants that work with individuals and their families, navigating all the complicated issues that arise with aging, but in particular with dementia and the different challenges that families are trying to figure out what to do, whether it be a parent or a spouse or a partner who's resistant to care, they don't think they need help, they don't want help. What difficult decisions that families have to make. Do do we stay home? Do we move? how in the world do we navigate all these doctor's appointments and doctors that aren't talking to each other and doctors that give conflicting information or you land in the hospital and their hospital doctor is pushing you to make decisions that you're not sure you want to make. And so aging life care professionals partner with families and making these tough decisions and being a constant in their life through all the different changes that will happen with the progression of the disease and the various challenges that come along the way is helping families navigate those helping families understand what all their options are for decisions that they're making help them kind of weigh the pros and cons to all of those options and in particular, helping them make those decisions based on their particular situation, which includes also their financial situation and how much financial resources they have to pay for care. And it's fairly unique in the sense that we're the advocate for the family. We are not represented by any other group. And so we can come at it from an unbiased perspective and sharing from our background and experience what we've seen other families do. Also, one of my colleagues in Florida, Amy O'Rourke, she talks about care managers having like a crystal ball. They help families know what's coming down the road, what we can get them to anticipate happening, and then trying to make it easier for them before they get there like this may be the next step for you your you know, dad may have trouble driving and here's some ways you can deal with it so also being able to talk about things that you're not currently dealing with but you might be down the road
0: oh my gosh i love it you said so many great things one of the things that i jotted down a couple notes actually is And full disclosure, I'm a care manager as well. And I love this work, really, because of all the reasons you just said, one of which is that care managers or aging life care professionals work for the families. And I think that what families often experience is It's usually if somebody may be hospitalized or they might be receiving rehab in a facility somewhere and there's maybe a social worker or a discharge planner or someone assigned to the facility whose role is to help people kind of navigate what's happening. But what we often find is that their best interest is really the best interest of the corporation or the facility they work for. And they have many, many other families and clients and patients that they're working with. And so one of the things that's so valuable about this work is that an aging life care professional truly works for the family and has the family's best interest in mind. And then the other part of what you talked about that I just appreciate so much is that a good care manager or a good uh, aging life care professional is really going to recognize that sometimes there's not always one right answer for a solution. And to take into consideration a family's values, you know, what what's important to them, because everybody is unique and individual, every family is unique and individual. And what's important to each family is going to vary And so it's a real skill set to have as a care manager to be able to see, to, to help families understand what is most important to them. You know, for example, is it more important above all else to keep mom and dad together through their end of life? Or is the number one priority to find the best quality of care, no matter what that looks like or where that looks like? Or the example that you use that I love that you brought out is looking at all of the aspects, including individuals' financial situation, because that can drive or open doors or limit options. But but as as an aging life care professional works with someone financially to look at what their choices are, it just can help families become more clear um, moving forward.
1: And that And also our role is to help create plans that are sustainable over time based on the financial resources of the individual. And that's what we'll find often when somebody is in the hospital, and you mentioned that discharge planner that's helping the families navigate, getting out of the hospital. often they have the whole floor of the hospital that they're managing. It's typically a different discharge planner each and every day. So if you talk to one on Thursday and you make a plan, well, on Friday, it's a different person and they know nothing about the plan that you talked about yesterday. They'll often hand the family a list of 30 rehab communities and ask the family to pick one. Well, first of all, the family has no idea what a rehab community is why they should go or not go, and how to select one out of this list of 30. And so being able to provide the big picture, and that's when you mentioned loving this work, that's one piece I love about this work, the fact that we can look at the whole picture And we can represent the family system. So, not just the older adult, but the older adult isn't in a vacuum. They might have their spouse or their partner or their kids or their second marriage or the neighbor, and we can support that whole system. But also, we look at everything in their life the health, the legal, the finances. And often, most of the time, other jobs you have, you are one aspect of that puzzle. You're looking at health or you're looking at legal or you know, you're looking at housing. Well, we get to look at the whole picture and that's the piece I love about this work. One of the pieces. One of the,
0: (laughs) (laughs) yes. Uh, And I think it's, there is such a need because like you were pointing out, all these areas can become so compartmentalized. You know, you go to the elder law attorney to deal with the legal stuff or you go to the financial planner to talk about the financial planning. But often, and those professionals can be, who to the doctor for the medical stuff, they all are educated and they know their stuff. However, to have a sort of an advocate or a a person that holds the space for all of those entities, for all of those areas is crucial. I, I mean, I know that I have story after story, I'm sure you do too, Lisa, of families getting conflicting advice from these professionals that might lead them down a road that could cost them a lot of money in the future or um, not be the best setting for their loved one or the plan that that came together was sort of mismatched and pieced together. So of of course I'm biased (laughs) in, in the work of what a care manager can provide. But I think about kind of that one person that again has the family system Um, Best interest at heart and can take that information and review the pros and cons and go over all of the pieces. A care manager, in my opinion, and I'd love to hear what you think about this too, Lisa. My philosophy is it's not somebody that is going to tell families what to do, it's more around educating families so that they're clear about the pros and cons of those choices and decisions because if they're educated, then when they move forward, you know, it's, it's clear to them.
1: Right. And when you, you know, two words came to mind for me when you were talking, one is the constant, that we could be the constant for the families over the long haul. So if your parent moves to an assisted living community we're there they land in the hospital we're there they move for a short-term rehab stay we can be there we can be there again when they're back at assisted living if they end up down the road on hospice we can still be there then it's that one person that thread throughout that can be so helpful for families and the other i think is the interpreter so when he mentioned attorneys financial planners, doctors, I find that we all are so ingrained in our professions that we use you know, language that fits for that profession, that we have a harder time explaining it to families. So I feel like another role of an aging life care professional is to say, all right, this is what the attorney said to you. This is let me explain it to you in kind of layman's terms that you can understand or this is what the doctor said. This is what he meant and make make the language more approachable. And then I do think our role is to educate families. I think we are educators at heart. And at the same time I find over the years I've done this, that families actually appreciate someone telling them what to do, because by the time they get to us, they're so overwhelmed, they're so defeated, they're so hopeless, they're so discouraged that they just need someone to calmly and confidently say, this is what I think you should do, and here's why, and take that decision-making of those 30 places off their hands and really make it clear to them. And I always say we wouldn't have a job if the systems weren't so dysfunctional. And so if it were easy, families wouldn't need us. This stuff is not easy, it's very complicated. And that's why we have a role is because these systems are so
0: I love that Lisa. Yeah. I think of it as like a translator when when you're talking about (laughs) all of the different uh, entities that a person comes in contact with when they're having to make these important decisions. And, And I love the crystal ball analogy that you threw out too from your colleague in Florida in that, like how many families have just expressed their desire I wish I had a nurse in the family, or I wish I had, you know, I wish I had this expert that I could go to, to help guide my decisions and where I need to go next.
1: So and I baby Auroric, have- Auroric, the care manager in Florida, just wrote a book that's about to be launched called The Fragile Years. And she is one of the wisest care managers I've ever met and she would be a great person for you to chat with on your podcast
0: reach out yeah so she wrote a book I just want to repeat that so folks can hear she wrote a a book that's getting ready to be launched called the fragile years okay I'll put that in the show notes so folks can Find that as well. And I may have to reach out to her for sure.
1: Happy to connect you. And the other piece I was realizing we haven't talked about that aging life care professionals do is helping navigate families that aren't on the same page. So.
0: <laughs> that was my next question, Lisa. I was saying, okay, so this comes up a lot, this piece about family conflict or, or just, misunderstanding or not non-clarity or the need to communicate and educate people that may not be as familiar with the situation at hand. So yeah, tell us a little about how a care manager can help with family dynamics.
1: And I think it's more common and uncommon that siblings aren't always on the same page. And I think it's because they come from different perspectives maybe even frequency of which they're seeing their parent and even the most functional families when it comes to making decisions around their parents care will fall apart and come to disagreements and i often see like old hurts like hurts from when they were young ways they hurt each other when they were young comes out for whatever reason when they're trying to help their parent and I have thought about it over the years about this idea of, with older adults are often balancing independence versus safety. And I think when adult children are in conflict, they're often coming to the care of their parent from a different place on that continuum of independence versus safety. You might have a brother in New York who says, Dad wanted to be fiercely independent. Let dad live alone, let dad drive. It's okay if dad falls, he wanted independence. Then you have the daughter who lives next door that's seeing dad fall, that's seeing the dents in his car. And they have a different perspective and a desire to keep their dad safe. And so how do you find, get these siblings closer together on that continuum. And that's what aging life care professionals can do is provide that unbiased perspective, typically going in to assess the situation to say, here's what I think your dad needs if he were to stay home or here's what he would need if he were to move and give that perspective. And often having that outside person giving their assessment and recommendations can be enough to diffuse the situation. But I know you've seen a lot of families in conflict as well, and probably have your perspective of how you've worked with them, finding common ground.
0: Well, I, uh, I agree, really, with everything you're saying, especially the piece of it can be such an emotional time. And just like you said, when there's Unfinished business, you know, from the past, times of high stress is really when that stuff comes out. It's also often a period of grieving, right? There's so much unknown about the future. There's unknown about the present moment. There's a a grief and loss component that is often at play. What is my life as a sibling going to look like without my mom here? Or, you know, we've always had this matriarch or patriarch of the family, and now that family sort of dynamic is being disrupted. And so, yeah, having, taking that approach of often what I see is, is that families are in this disruption because the, what is known is now unknown and helping, that's the education piece that I I feel like a care manager can do really well is make sure that people really understand diagnosis that people can really understand the choices that are available, the pros and cons of those choices, finding out and getting really curious about where the the concern is arising from. And it's an opportunity. I mean, these are all opportunities, right, for families to be able to come together. Sometimes that doesn't happen. We've seen that too. Many of our listeners have experienced being, the responsible one, you know, the only one, the whether it's a sibling or a spouse, but you're put in that position of being the primary caregiver because you live close or you were the chosen one. So it can bring up all kinds of feelings there for sure. Um one more I'd love to ask you about this too, in uh, your opinion of, of how care managers can help. And that is, I get a lot of family members that ask. For help in talking to their loved one about a situation, whether that's their diagnosis, they don't know how to talk to their loved one about their diagnosis, or they don't know how to talk to their loved one about a potential move. How can a care manager help with that sort of situation?
1: A great question, Laura. And you're right. That's often the reason families end up with us is that resistant parents are resisting help and they're banging their head against the wall, trying to figure out how to get their mom help. One of the aspects of dementia, one of the symptoms is lack of insight. So one of the ways in which the brain is damaged from the disease makes it such that when somebody, an individual is diagnosed with dementia, they don't see the changes in themselves or they don't see the extent of which they need help. And that's because of the way this damage is happening in the brain. And so what I like to do is just remind families that this is a part of the dementia and families will talk about it as denial. My mom is in denial. Well, it's not denial. It's actually an inability to see that. So no matter How many times you talk to her, how many different ways you see it, she's not going to suddenly have a big awakening. I always joke, you know, she's not going to say, oh, you're right, Laura, I do need help. Send in the caregivers. Like that is not going to happen. So our work as care managers is to educate families about that and to give them new techniques, new language, new approaches with their parent. And instead of trying to reason with them or to interact and have these intellectual conversations the way you would in the past, that's no longer going to work. Because with dementia, you can't weigh pros and cons. You can't problem solve as the disease progresses, which is usually the point of which parents need help and children are having these battles as later on in the disease. And so part of our role is teaching these new techniques, but also to be able to figure out what language might work with their parent given where they are in the progression. But I also will say that we often will say everything that their children have been saying for years but because we're not their children, they hear it and listen in new and different ways. So it's not like we have a magic wand, but we can often make progress where families have been stuck.
0: Yeah, I, that's so true. Yes, I can't tell you. I just spoke with the individual this morning who said, you know, I've been telling my mom this this same thing over and over, but when you told it to her, she could hear it. <laughs> she it wasn't it wasn't her. You know, child giving her this information. It was someone outside in the community. It was a professional. So, definitely, that that holds a lot of weight there. Tell us, well, two things. I would love for our audience to know how can they find a care manager, but also what is the requirement to be a care manager? What sort of background do these folks have, and how how does someone What can they expect when we're talking about professionals who are they what kind of professionals are they
1: and you can find an aging life care professional on our professional association website we have a directory where you can do a search by zip code or city and that website is aginglifecare.org And to be an aging life care professional, the majority of aging life care professionals are either social workers or nurses or the other category is sort of miscellaneous where you and I both fall. My background is counseling, so some professional background related to clinical work, and then there's a certification process to be a member of ELCA, our professional association. So I'm a certified care manager. So that means you've had a number, a certain number of years of experience of supervision and you passed a test to show that you have a foundational knowledge. Many aging life care professionals have a graduate degree as well in their background. So They come usually to this work with a lot of experience in other areas that helped create a foundation for being an aging life care professional. The other piece I'll mention is how aging life care professionals get paid. So aging life care professionals typically bill for their time by the hour, very much like an attorney. So the work that they do with you and the cost is really a reflection of how much time you need from them. So sometimes families will come and just need one or two sessions to get the lay of the land, to understand the options, pros, cons, to help have a plan created, to be connected with the right resources. And then they go off on their way and they implement that plan. They can certainly come back and check in and have further problem solving along the way, whether it be three weeks down the road, whether it be three months down the road, and then other families will have aging life care professionals involved in a much deeper ongoing way, whether that be checking in on their parent where they're living in assisted living or an adult family home or coordinating doctor's appointments, going with the parent to a doctor's appointment to be able to make sure the doctor understands what's happening, being able to follow through, and just being an ongoing emotional support, as well as problem solver along the way.
0: Love it. Thanks for explaining that. I think that really illustrated the amount I, I talk about care managers can do as much or as little as someone needs. And, and you just described that so well, It it could just be one consultation to just kind of get the family going in the right direction. It could be very specific related to a certain topic or issue that is at play, or it can be broad and, and more open to pre-planning, you know, to prevent a crisis or or something. Yeah. And then the idea, I love how you kind of separated care manager as a consultant and care manager as a kind of on the ground doing um, the work, going to the appointments, attending the care conferences, making sure families are aware of what's going on, overseeing the services that were put into play, like maybe somebody hired a a caregiver, or they want to make sure that Meals on Wheels is really delivering the food they say they are, or the housekeeper really is showing up, or
1: (laughs) those sorts of things, too. Yes, often... Just getting caregivers in place or just getting your parent moved to assisted living doesn't solve all the problems. There's still challenges, unfortunately, that come with caregivers or come with living in assisted living. And so having somebody to navigate those challenges can be very valuable as well.
0: Another point that I think of too is this piece of care managers, I think can be beneficial to folks, whether often if a family lives out of the area to have that kind of point person that has eyes on the situation can be so valuable but then also for families that are so busy they're working they they're maybe raising children or you know they're 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 busy and they don't have the time to be doing the oversight even if they knew what to be doing and then there are so many Folks out there that that don't have any family. Uh, they don't have children or other family members that are there to advocate for them and make sure they're getting the care they need. So it's really, really a wide range of folks, I think, that can benefit from those
1: services. Absolutely. Those were great examples of you know, adult children can outsource some of the tasks that they're doing for their parent that they're finding overwhelming so that they can focus on their career and their family. Or if you talk to an adult daughter who's been flying from California several times a month to check in on her parent, well, you could have somebody local checking in on your mom and save you those flights or being able to shift gears so that you can go back to being the daughter, visiting your mom, having fun with your your mom, being there with your mom, not worrying about You know, when did she go to the doctor? Does she have her medications? Or the caregiver, you know, making the right meal—like those kind of tasks—you can outsource to someone else to worry about, and you can just be a daughter.
0: Love that. Yeah, that's what a lifesaver for so many people. That. Well, Lisa, can you think of anything else that would be important that we didn't touch on in the world of aging life care professionals or care managers that might be helpful for? A family that's navigating this dementia journey?
1: I think my parting thought that's really been on my mind lately is hope that it can feel so hopeless at times being an adult child supporting a parent especially in the sandwich generation that no matter how messy the situation how frustrating how complicated it can get better and your life can feel easier and that there is hope and that there are people out there to make it easier and to help you get some of your life back and help you put some boundaries in place and help you feel better.
0: Love it. I sure appreciate you coming on. I want to do a kind of a little shout out to our folks that are listening. Lisa Mayfield was a presenter on our Get in the Lifeboat Summit that we had, I think it's been a couple of years ago now. But Lisa, you presented a beautiful, it was a presentation on building your support team. And we still have those presentations up in our Facebook group. So if anyone is interested in listening more to what Lisa has to say about thinking about building your support team, then you can watch her presentation. Again, it's on Facebook at Get in the Lifeboat. And I also want to remind folks that you can find an aging life care professional in your community. And if you go to the website that Lisa talked about, the aginglifecare.org website, there is a button you can click to find a aging, an aging life care professional, and you can sort by location. And it can just be such a valuable tool to find someone in your area that's familiar with the resources where you live, those local resources. So yeah. So Lisa, thank you again so much for coming on. It's just been such a pleasure and just appreciate you.
1: Thank you, Laura. It was a pleasure being here and chatting with you and being here with your following.
0: <laughs> Lovely. All right, everyone, have a great week and we'll see you next time. I hope you enjoyed this episode. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute, nor is it meant to convey professional, legal, psychological, financial, or medical advice. If you can use such services, please seek them out from someone you trust.